Hello, and welcome to the 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at some of the state news's biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. I'm your host, Griffin Wiles, and today we will be discussing some of the stories featured in our Sex and Love print edition, the emergency board of trustees meeting that approved Mel Tucker as Michigan State's next football coach, and the board meeting that took place Friday, February 14th. Thanks for joining us. This week, there were two Board of Trustees meetings. One was on Wednesday, February 12th, and the other was on Friday, February 14th. The first meeting took place to approve Mel Tucker's appointment as MSU head football coach. Here to talk more about what happened at these meetings is men's basketball beat reporter Paolo John Andrea and administration reporter Maddie Monroe. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So, Paolo, can you talk about what happened at the Mel Tucker Board of Trustees meeting? Yeah, so... Uh, it was my first time being at a board of trustees meeting, and I guess it's what it seemed like was that this was kind of a, you know just a formality of you know he was you know planned to be signed, so they were just formally approving him. But it really did seem like in the board of trustees meeting and the presser after that, a lot of people around MSU were very excited and genuinely excited about this. It wasn't just the facade of okay, we need to put on a good face for the new hire we made. It actually seemed like guys like Izzo, President Stanley, they seemed genuinely very, very excited about this. And what did the board and President Stanley have to say about Tucker? Um, they mentioned the word integrity a lot. They said they were looking for a man of integrity. They, um, they emphasized that as well as his background with MSU and around the Big Ten as being very important. Um, but yeah, integrity and his quote-unquote Big Ten roots were probably the the biggest things that they really emphasized. And what did Tucker have to say? Tucker at the press conference, he only spoke at the press conference. He did not speak at the Board of Trustees meeting. Um, And he was, at times, you know, pretty emotional, pretty visibly emotional. Um, At times he was very, you know, emphatic about what he was saying. There were a lot of things that he said that may have been pretty ambiguous, but they sort of roused the crowd up. But he seemed to, again, he seemed to be very satisfied with it as well as I said he's he's kind of getting choked up and that's what kind of told me that you know what he's it seems like he seems to have a lot of the investment that MSU kind of put into him. And Maddie what were the main topics of discussion on the board meetings agenda on Friday? Yeah so they um, discussed a lot of different things. Um, They passed a couple infrastructure related things. The Mun Ice Arena is being expanded and so they added some extra funds to go towards that as well as um, some solar panels in South Neighborhood. And in the president's um, original opening, he talked a lot about the Wharton incident and kind of expanding diversity on campus. Um, And a couple other students spoke about this as well. One student from the, um, an Asian student group on campus was talking about how there's been a lot of um, negative things going around with the coronavirus. And so they kind of touched on that as well as uh, there were students from Dream MSU who were talking about some DACA students who faced discrimination and um, kind of resolving those conflicts. What was said during public speaking time? Um, A variety of people spoke. There were a couple of students from Sustainable Spartans who were talking about their recent projects, as well as a guy who was complaining to the board about um, one of his patents being used with the basketball team. And then, like I said before, there were a couple of students from 
groups around campus um, expressing concerns for diversity. And can you talk more about the tenured professor who was fired and what was said at the meeting about it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, someone who spoke during the public speaking time was one of the fellow professors of the tenured professor who's been removed, and he was asking that they rethink their decision. And then the board, um, everyone voted who was there except Renee Kanaki to um, remove him from his position with tenure mainly because he um, refused to teach a math class, and then they filed a motion to remove him from that position, and he tried to kind of get out of it, but they ended up making the final decision that he would be removed from that. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Another story featured in the Sex and Love edition was a story about a strip club in Lansing called Deja Vu and how employees are fighting the stigma surrounding erotic dancing. Here to join us is Sean Ryder, who wrote the story. Thanks for being here, Sean. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be on. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to write the story? Well, um, I was aware of Deja Vu in Lansing. Um, I'd been there about once before, um, and I thought it would be an interesting angle to take a look at the stigma because I do know a lot of people aren't as educated, if that's the right word to use, about what they do. Um, and I just want to kind of look at the business and look at how they feel about it. What was your favorite part about reporting on this story? I think it was probably talking about, talking with um, one of the boutique workers, Ron Zlazinski, um, about his passion for what he does there. Um, he considers himself to be an educator there. It wasn't included in the story, but he talked at length about what he does for his job. It's not just selling things. Um, he actively educates people about the use of sex toys um, because that's very important. Um, advocated for a higher education of that, and talking to the performers as well is very interesting. Can you talk a little bit about what the people you interviewed said about the stigma surrounding strip clubs and erotic dancing? So what it comes down to in general, what all those, what pretty much everybody said, from security to boutique workers to the performers themselves to the general manager who I interviewed, they basically said that, you know, people have this expectation that it's kind of like a lawless land out there. It really isn't. Um, all these performers are contractors, so they actually pay the strip club to come in and do their work. Um, they work for about two months, give or take, on a single routine that they do. So there's a lot of work on their craft, and they basically all feel that, like, it is empowering. Like, a lot of, there is a general stigma, as mentioned in the article, that it's a degrading work. You know, that's somebody's daughter up there. It really isn't degrading at all. They've said that it's given them a lot of freedom to do what they want to do. They can come in and work whenever they want, and every night isn't the greatest, but there's a lot of, you know, movability within the industry. If they get a license, they can go down to Detroit, and they can go down to Kalamazoo. They can do whatever they want, pretty much. And how are they fighting against this stigma? They're just advocating, again, for higher education of it. I mean, as mentioned, two of the uh, performers that I interviewed, I mean, one of them, Rose, I believe, she said, like, honestly, just come in and try it. Like, if you're curious about it, just come in and give it a rip, because that's what it's about. All right, thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Thank you, it's a pleasure.
honor of Valentine's Day, the State News published its Sex and Love print edition, which contains several different stories like a Q&A with a sugar baby, a self-love letter, a column about bisexuality, and more. Staff reporter Jack Belinsky wrote a feature story in the edition about how MSU alumni couples first met. Jack is here to talk more about his story, so thank you for being with us. I'm glad to be here, thank you. So what inspired you to come up with this story? It was honestly from my upbringing, you know? Um, both my parents went here and they met here. Um, my mom uh, and dad, they both worked at a movie theater, which used to be in Frandor, but um, since then it's been turned into a CVS pharmacy. But no, they've told me about how they met there and it's honestly a really cute story. Um, and I wanted to share other stories like it. So that's where it stemmed from. What was your favorite part of writing this story? And was there anything interesting that stood out to you? Um, interacting with the couples, to be honest. Um, their stories, each one was really different. I really enjoyed that it wasn't the same story for each couple. Um, Joan Kim, they met at work. Mark and Elizabeth met through Elizabeth's ex-boyfriend. Um, Morgan and Drew, their story was really cool because um, Drew was Sparty and Morgan was a cheerleader. So how often are you going to hear that, right? Um, and I really enjoyed my time with Bill and Janet because that was my only in-person interview that I did. And hearing them talk and being able to get to see their like facial expressions, the way that they interacted with each other and like played off each other, that was really cool because like I got to see it in person and their love was just exemplified more in person than it was over the phone. The one thing that I tried asking um, at the end of each interview was for them to give advice to MSU couples today and I put it in my story, but Mark and Elizabeth's um, advice, travel together. I thought that was really interesting because you'll hear like typical responses like, oh, spend time together, um, try new things. But theirs was specific being, don't stay in the same place, try new things, go to new places. And heck, look at them now. They're living in South Africa after doing um, study abroads and internships in Thailand. So they've been all over the place. And I thought their story was really cool because of that. All right, thank you so much for being here, Jack. Thank you, I appreciate your time. Thanks again for joining us this week on the 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at some of the state news's biggest stories while bringing you new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. You can follow us on Twitter at the S News, on Instagram at State News, and on statenews.com. Also, be sure to pick up our weekly print edition on stands all across campus. We'll be back next week to unpack even more stories.